Hello and welcome to Careers in Analytical Chemistry, the podcast for CHY213. I'm your host, Dr. Darius Rackus. This podcast hosts different speakers who work with or in the field of analytical chemistry, ranging from government, academia, and industry. Today's guest is Timothy Ho. When I interviewed Timothy, he was just about to finish his master's degree at Ryerson, working in environmental analytical chemistry. But I'll let him tell you more about what he does. Without further ado, let's go meet him. Okay, everyone, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today, uh, we're speaking with a guest that many of you will know, Timothy Ho, who is one of the lab TAs for sections one and two. So that's about half of the class will know him. But for everyone else, we're going to find out a little bit about Tim, uh, what he's been up to, and and some of the experiences he's had in analytical chemistry. Thanks for joining us today, Tim. Oh, thank you for having me here. (laughs) So Tim, I can see you on my screen. You're in a lab right now. What are you up to these days? So I'm about to finish my master's degree. I'm a bit behind, but like due to COVID and so forth. Uh, Yeah, mainly for doing that, but I'm just helping out in terms of a big collaborative project that my group is in, Dr. Liu's research group. And so currently we mainly work on soil analysis, a bit step away from what Dr. Liu is usually used to, which is air quality or mercury in air. And we have sort of big shifted towards like why certain soils are bad or in terms of land classification, there's soil that's marginally profitable for farmers. And we're just trying to figure out what we can use that land. Can we use it to grow certain crops or different crops that's more resistant to, let's say, drought and so forth? And what I have behind me is a bunch of actual plants and that's actual sorghum. But yeah, there's sorghum, which is a biomass plant that can easily be converted into bioethanol. That's what I'm hoping for the final steps of this collaborative project. And it's a big overall clusters of, I guess, groups of researchers working on specifically biomass and how we can use it in Canada. And also in terms of advancing that portion of possibly bioethanol or how to efficiently or effectively grow biomass. But my portion is more related to soil and how we can use that biomass to grow into that certain group of soils. And I'm just combusting soil to determine the amount of total organic carbon in it. So environmental samples and trying to detect nutrients, plant nutrients in that environment or or in the sample. Okay, cool. Um, Maybe just briefly, can you tell us a little bit about the different types of techniques or methods you're using to measure, say, phosphorus within the soil? There's pretty straightforward techniques. It's almost used consistently throughout different labs. One is majorly colorimetric. There's no way to get away for colorimetric. It's so consistent, convenient, easy to reproduce. That's why a lot of people try to maintain just using colorimetrics because it's also very cheap and it's just a simple, a chemical reaction related to your analyte of interest. And it's some way that you can recalculate it back to how much all that analyte of interest is there based on the color that it absorbed or the intensity of that color and so forth. And that's very consistent throughout analytical chemistry, I find. 
I, I've also worked with a professor that had MSMS. So you couple two mass spectrometry together to further separate more things out of your sample and then further analyze that because there's more things to look at when you break it further down or separate further. And really analytical chemistry is separating, analyzing, and detecting, and then understanding what you got from it and what story you can tell from that answer. Yeah, so let, let's talk about uh, your background. So you're about to finish your master's in molecular science. That's the program at Ryerson, correct? Yeah. And then um, where did you do your bachelor's before that? I did my bachelor's at University of Waterloo. So they're very heavy on co-op. You're not mandatory on doing co-op, but their selling point of going to Waterloo is you're going to get a job for sure. But so how it works for co-op is you would do school for a while, then during your break, let's say your summer break and so forth, it will be co-op. There's no break at all. It's, you're constantly working. So it gives you an idea and also at least some pocket money to work with when you are back at school or you have to pay rent or you want to eat something nice at, for once while you're studying and so forth, or you're too stressed about exams and then maybe you just constantly go out during that whole week for food or something like that. <laughs> so you have somebody to work with and so forth. And that, that's just how I saw it. And at the same time, maybe hopefully helping with my tuition. Right. Yeah. So that's the big selling point for co-op and also a bit ways from home. My family is in Toronto in Scarborough specifically. So a bit step away from home, learning how to live by myself. Right. And also that life skill of being on your own. Right. So that, that's a big thing as well. I find. Did you have any co-op experiences that involved analytical chemistry? There's actually a bunch. And my very first co-op job is not related to chemistry at all. And it's actually at a cheese factory. And I was doing quality control for the cheese and to just doing quick like checks, going around the factory area to see if it's clean or not and so forth. And that gave me that first step into quality control. And then my very first, more towards the analog chemistry, chemistry side is working for Johnson Johnson, which is, well, they're a family of company. When they mean family of company, it's actually a conglomerate of different companies. And the one company that produces Tylenol is in Guelph called McNeil Consumer Healthcare. And I did eight months of co-op with them and a lot of, I guess it would be analytical work. It's more so the sample preparation part of how would you detect the amount of the active ingredient in Tylenol or other over-the-counter products that Johnson Johnson had? They even produces some of the, I guess, the pseudoephrine, the much stronger Tylenol that, that there is for hospitals. And I would also produce standards and help with analyzing that kind of samples as well. So you would handle some really dangerous chemicals as well. And then even afterwards, my last co-op was at a third-party testing company, which tested specifically for cigarettes. Let's think back to your time at J&J or McNeil. What would a typical day look like for you? Typical day is very straightforward. It was a quality control group. So we would have their morning meeting and then reflect on what needs to be done. 
and then you would do your, I guess, tasks. And the common task was assays, which is like sample permission, which typically tends to be like finding out how much of 10 of these pills have certain concentration of let's say, acetaminophen or ibuprofen. And that's a typical common active ingredient in the over-counter pills. Or even, I forgot the other technique. It's called dissolution. And then they have a big machine or multiple machines where we would mimic how it would act in your stomach. And let's say after... 30 minutes, I would sample it and then say, okay, it for sure give a certain amount in 30 minutes. And then I would pass my samples to an analyst, which would put it into, let's say, a like a chromatography LCMS. And they would have a whole room full of, a very small room, but they had like 10 or 20 HPLCs in there. And that was what was running constantly and with all those samples about maybe I probably produced maybe 50 samples a day and or with some solution prep as well to help them out with the solvents that you would need for HVLC and so forth. And I try to do as much as I can to help out. I, I love doing that, getting as accurate as possible, let's say making a standard, getting that exactly to that 0.9999% like accuracy or let's say if you're trying to make a standard curve you want your linearity to be very close to one and like I, I would love that every time that the analyst came and showed it to me oh it was exactly one or, or 0.99999 and <laughs> something and just really proud of that so it's pretty enjoyable for that sense but I wish what I did was spend a bit more time in terms of their community service. Johnson Johnson is very for the community. So what they would do is you're allowed to, let's say, leave work or and so forth to help out the community there, which was in Guelph. They would do fundraisers and so forth. I, I focus a lot with work. And then also what I also did was actually went to in-person courses at the same time as I was doing co-op. And I've talked to my supervisor about that during that time. And they were okay with it, but I guess in terms of, let's say, the overall work environment, they weren't that happy about it. So I wish I went back in time and did more of mm -hmm. like the communal work, I guess. So right now, students in CHY 213 are just starting statistics, and we're going to be talking about sampling plans and you know how you determine the number of samples. A lot of, a lot of the really fundamental yet abstract things about analytical chemistry. And in this course, you know, a lot of what we talk about are, are the fundamentals and thinking about error, our precision, our accuracy, as well as doing tons and tons of titrations in the lab. So I was wondering, thinking back to, to you know, the curriculum for this course reasonably well, and then you've done a similar course in undergrad, thinking back to what you've covered in undergrad, what were some of the key skills or ideas that you ended up using quite regularly in your time at J&J during your co-op? Oh, okay. I guess it's more so the techniques, which I'm very sad about that the students don't get it to do the physical touching of, let's say, the spatula and then feeling it out or some form of like personal feel of doing something to get to a certain amount or 
feeling that titration and knowing, okay, I just need one more job and knowing how much to put into that, uh, let's say, turn the stopcock and so forth. And that's what I, I feel like I brought to J&J. But yeah, I'm just really sad about that. They can't do it in person. You, you were just, talking about, you know, uh, standard curves and regression analysis. and Yeah, that more so uh, the techniques, the physical techniques also brings up to producing a standard curve, which is what I d- did a lot as my graduate studies. I don't really get to touch much in terms of, let's say, in COP. It, it's a bit sad where they were... At a certain point where for co-ops, it's just just that they can't let students handle certain equipment. So before they were allowing co-op students to use the HPLC and then actually producing a calibration curve. But for me, I just produced a solution. So more so the sample breadth. That also let me bring to what I can do with my master's where knowing the feeling of producing a calibration curve, let's say, make it to... 0.25 0.25 grams and then 0.5 grams exactly and so forth and using those physical skills I can produce let's say a barely linear standard curve and then I can feel confident about my results of my unknowns because I would use it to help find out how much of my unknown has a certain thing mm-hmm. and that's pretty much I feel like one of the major end goals of analog chemistry figuring out how much of this but and then you can play with it and find a story with it. Let's say, how much of it is in the body, and then is it dangerous, or is it not enough? So just to to wrap it up, so I, I know you found these co-op positions through your co-op program and, and the career services at Waterloo, but I was wondering if maybe you could tell us just a little bit about how you went about finding these positions and maybe what the application process was like and maybe throw a few uh, pointers to students who are looking at doing internships or, or co-op programs uh, here at Ryerson. For jobs, even the very first one, I had to find on my own. It was really tough. There's a very strong competition in Waterloo. I don't know about the competition in Ryerson. I assume it's probably the same, but hopefully the job positions and postings, there's plenty for them. And I, I do find that there are a lot of help here. I even attended some of them by accident, hoping I could find something for me afterwards in master's as well, but they're pretty helpful in terms of job process, obviously go through the postings and so forth, apply, put your resume on it. Obviously resumes can range very differently from person to person, your style, how much information you put in. A lot of the co-op centers I find, or the co-op representatives, even for Ryerson, I believe they would help out with resume building as well. Use all every sort of resource you can with the school to help you out. I've also went through some interview workshops and to help out with that as well. But mainly it's just to be yourself. I find that sometimes if you oversell yourself too much, it might be deterring to the interviewer. But yeah, just be yourself. If you're doing something with academic side, maybe learn more about the professor, what they're into. While for like industry side, let's say if you want to do something like that, look up the company. What are are their goals? It's right in the website. What's their goal? Johns Johnson's main one is to help everybody. Their credo was there. You can read about it and learn to cater to that. And that's one of the major things is that I think I was selling a lot about how I cared about people and want to help out. 
And that was my major thing. So use whatever resources you have. Yeah. So, so use the resources available and, and we'll be talking about some of those resources in the course um, as the semester goes on. So Tim, I want to say thanks for joining us tonight on the podcast and look forward to seeing you around the lab this semester. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Today's podcast was produced by me, Darius Rackus, audio editing by Aline Garbedian, music by Scott Holmes and Kilo Bot. This has been Careers in Analytical Chemistry. Thanks for listening. The bus. Ha, ha. Ho, ho.